What's up, everybody out there? Welcome to Good Dudes Grow 2.0. Listen, you're growing weed illegally in your basement. You want to create a business from it. Can you? How do you start? Well, you know what? My next guest will tell you exactly how he did just that, starting in the illegal black market cannabis industry to a multi-billion dollar company. Stay tuned for this one. Let me first start out by saying thank you to Podcast Powertrain for helping produce my show. These are the guys you need behind you if you're looking to start your podcast. Also, I'd like to thank Powered by Riverside FM. That's right. Our show is powered by Riverside FM, one of the best platforms to actually have a podcast on. So I'm going to have some links at the end of the show or in the show notes. Check them out. These are the two people that you need to get up, get with to make your podcast top 100. Good Dudes Grow 2.0 On the Good Dudes Grow 2.0 We're here to let you know The importance of plant-based medicine and psychedelics on mental and physical health We're bringing you stories of how these medicines have changed lives and can save lives We want to teach you the healing power of plant-based medicine This is the Good Dudes Grow 2.0 What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Good Dudes Grow. I'm your host, Gary Roberts. And today we are going to do something different since it is Good Dudes Grow 2.0. You know, usually we talk a lot about how cannabis helps people get off opiates, how cannabis or CBD saves lives as well as psychedelics. But what about the cannabis industry? The cannabis industry is set to be about a 20 to $30 billion market by 2025, and it is growing. Funny thing is that it is still an illegal market. That's right. Cannabis is still legal federally. So how can you build a billion dollar company on an illegal industry? Well, my next guest, Tony Frischkinek, is a serial entrepreneur and an investor who has done just that. He's created a successful business from medical cannabis to vape and extraction equipment. He is also the author of the book from back market to the man he also hosts two podcasts one is plant problems podcast and extraction essentials podcast tony frisch connect thank you for coming on my show this is actually be a little bit different than what i normally do normally we have stories on how people use cannabis and cbd to change their lives but you did it in a completely different way from going from black market underground sales to multi-millionaire companies and so forth so it's going to be great, not only for my audience to learn how or what, or if somebody's interested in starting that, but also for myself owning a CBD industry and how I went through some, some troubles and stuff. But your background, I didn't read your whole bio like we talked before, because your background is pretty, pretty cool, pretty interesting. And I want everybody to hear it straight from you. So give a little bit of background on yourself and how you got started in the medical cannabis industry, if you don't mind. Yeah, no problem. And and. It- Gary, thanks so much for having me here today. I'm I'm happy to share everything I can with the listeners. That's that's part of my life right now. So I, I'm 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 excited to be here. So thank you. You're welcome. Perfect. Um. Yeah. So, you know, my situation was kind of due to economic, right? Uh, back in uh, late '90s, early 2000s in uh, Colorado, there was a big housing boom. Uh, similar to what's happening right now, the growth spurts that's happening all over the country. Well, what I had done is I started my entrepreneurial career. I, you know, I was working part-time jobs 
and then starting businesses, working part-time jobs, starting businesses, because essentially that's what you have to do when you're broke. Uh, you still got to pay the bills somehow. And, you know, I, when I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, you know, that, that, that's one of the things that they, they, don't, they don't notice right away. They're just like, well, I want to start a business. Let's start a business. Okay, well, you still have to eat and sleep and live. So, there, so I was going through that um, 2004 to, through 2006, and I had started, my background is in construction. So I grew up, uh, my father was a carpenter for my entire life. Uh, so for the last 40 years. Um, and so I knew how to work with my hands. Uh, and when I, when I started digging into what I wanted to do, uh, I was around some very uh, prominent uh, real estate investors. And so I thought, well, why don't I get into something that I know? So I started uh, doing remodeling and, and what most people know is uh, what they call fix and flips, right? Uh, so I started doing that in 2004. I was working part-time at Sears. I was working part-time at Home Depot. So, And then when I was not working, I was working on my house and doing all the internal stuff and external stuff. So I got into that. However, I kind of got in on the backside of the peak of the growth of the industry in uh, the housing industry. And so I struggled. I got, it took me about six months to do my first project, got it done. We weren't able to sell it right away. Eventually we were, but uh, I essentially got out getting my money back and not making any profit the entire time. So, <laughs> well, like, like, like all us entrepreneurs, it's the same thing. We're, exactly. we're going to do it, we're going to make it, and all of a sudden we find out, I just kind of made a little, maybe, if that. Yeah, exactly. So, I wanted to keep that going because I was like, okay, well, I don't have anything else to do. I need to figure something out in the meantime. So I actually started remodeling a, a smaller project right next door to the one I just I just remodeled. And, and, and I also was living in the property while I was remodeling it. So if any of you guys out there have ever done that, you know how challenging that can be. So I was living by myself single. I moved next door, started working on that project. And I got introduced uh, through my group of friends, uh, a gentleman that was uh, had started a hydroponics store. So this is, you know, like I said, very early 2000s. And I started talking back and forth with him. And we started talking about cannabis. And it was it was medically allowed in Colorado at the time. I didn't really know much about medical. And um, for for those that know me pretty well, I'm pretty straight arrow. I don't, I don't like to, uh, you know, I'm not breaking the law. I'm not lying, you know, to people constantly. Uh, so when I started going down this direction and having more conversations with this gentleman, I was like, okay, I, I need to make a shift. How do I do that? So I started working. Um, I, I quit my other job, started working part-time on my, um, my remodel business and I jumped in full hearted into my uh, cannabis business and I bought all the equipment. I rented a house. I just went all in. I was like, you know what? I'm going to make this happen. Cause that's, that's generally, it's a scary thing, but that's how you get stuff done as an entrepreneur. Uh, you got to be wholehearted in, into it. So I started with 72 plants and then in this small basement about five minutes away from where I lived. 
and started the underground uh, growing uh, world. And I did that for uh, roughly a year and a half. And I, I, it was very extremely stressful uh, because you're always looking over your shoulder. Uh, you know, I couldn't talk to anybody about this. It's not like I was able to talk to the gentleman that owned the hydroponics store, but that was it. Everybody else thought I was in construction and that's what I was doing. So there was a lot of uh, challenging times, not talking to family, you know, pushing people away that were close to me because, you know, for anybody who's ever done this before, anything illegal, it's a lot easier just not to lie to them at all, but just don't be there. Right. So right, that's right. That, so I had built this wall up and I separated myself from it, but I was really starting to enjoy, I was really enjoying the process of growing. Uh, you know, one thing being talented with my hands is I could build all the grow room myself. I could, um, I started, you know, learning how to have a green thumb and that was challenging. Um, but that, that was, there was a lot of people in my position that I realized after a few years in Colorado that were doing the same thing. They were not making it work in, in construction. So they were going and building grow houses or grows in the basements and stuff like that. So as I progressed, of course, I, I started taking, uh, you know, bigger risks, but before I was, before I really started doing that, I thought, how can I do this legally, right? What's the legal way? So I started exploring the medical um, cannabis licensing and, and really what that took. And of course, was the first step was, well, let's get my own medical license. How hard can it be? Uh, so I went through that process, uh, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have been through it as well. Um, but, but back then, it was uh, basically you meet at this doctor's office, and there's like 200 people. They put you all through in a day. It costs you 200 bucks. He asks you some questions. You give him some paperwork from your primary doctor, and he signs you a prescription, and you're ready to go. And so that's what my first step was. And the next natural step was how do I become a caregiver? How do I grow for other people? So over the next couple of years, I, I built a, a patients up to, I had about 42 patients um, and it took me about a year, a little over a year to do that. And then I started and things were really starting to flow. Uh, but I was doing the growing, I was driving around doing the delivering of, of the cannabis and it was an amazing time because I got to sit down with some, some really cool people and they welcomed me into their home. They were not scared. It was just this, it, there was a sense of relief that I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't taking advantage of them. They were, I was, I've, I looked just like I do now. I had shaved head, you know, for those of these guys yeah. that are listening, um, I've got a shaved head. I'm very clean cut. I've got a little bit of a, of a mustache goatee going, but you know, aside from that, I was, I wasn't your, you know, your normal drug dealer that was you're, out there. So your your typical guy in the corner. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so people were really warming, were really opening and warm, welcomed me into their homes. And I got to see how much, I mean, I only had a couple strains at the time, but I got to see how much I really affected their lives. And at that point, I'm like, God, this is this has got to be the awesome, most awesome job in the world. I get to I get to do something I do, I want to do that's making money, that's profitable. I get to just 
create some safety for these people that don't have anywhere to go. And I'm building a business. It was, it was incredible. Let, so let, let me, I'm going to stop you right there. Cause I want to unpack some of that just, just a little bit. Cause yeah, yeah. It, it goes into a couple other questions I wanted to ask. The, the, I know exactly what you're talking about when you're saying like you're, you're clean cut and everything. I'm a firefighter. So when I started looking into the, the cannabis industry, and I'm going to ask you this question. I looked into cannabis and I went, this industry is booming. You know, it's a great way to invest and make money. Uh, you know, and I'm in it to make the money. And then I realized I had to get all these licenses in Florida, which was basically no way it was going to happen because they monopolized it for the farmer, the pre-existing farmers who had farmers for 30 years, so forth. So I couldn't do that. So I fell into the CBD and hemp industry. It still wasn't legal in Florida, but I was trying to build a business. And I'm like, well, I can't tell anybody at the fire department because, you know, they're going to sell <laughs> firefighters yeah. sell, sell weed on the side because back, what, two, three years, it was still, you know, you're talking 2005, but even back two, three years, everybody says CBD was weed. It was, it was cannabis. It was you know, you're still selling drugs. It's still illegal. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, kind of, kind of frightened me and everything at, in that point. So I know exactly what you're talking about. But when I realized, like you just said, when I finally got my product running and I went through this straight and narrow, got all my licensing, got approved by the state, the state said, you're good, got a product that I wanted and I gave it to firefighters and I saw lives being changed just by that. It completely focused from a monetary, monetary drive to I can do some real, real, real good with this product and still make some money on the side. But the cooler thing is watching the lives that you changed. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure if you know my story. While I was doing that, my daughter was addicted to opiates and she passed away before I could get a product out. So that drove my passion even further. So when you say you're sitting down with these individuals, you had nowhere to go and their lives are changing. I know, and I know several people who are listening to this who have CBD companies or grow companies and were on my podcast before, they know exactly what you're talking about. It's that feeling of, A, you know you're not taking advantage of, B, you're giving them such a healthy product, and C, they're getting so much benefit out of it, you get a smile every time you see them. Yeah, it's incredible. They smile when they come, when I show up, and they smile when I leave, and you know they're, they're like, I, they want to keep talking to me because... Again, like you said, changing lives. And, and, and so that really sparked me. I'm like, okay, it's time to step it up, right? So, so when I mean step it up, I, I, I expanded and, and, and started a, another uh, grow facility in a residential area, you know, I mean, because that's really all we had at that point. So uh, I expanded. I got uh, someone to help take care of one of my properties while I took care of the other one. And then I also had somebody starting to help me with deliveries. And so things were really trucking along and things were, were, were exciting. And, and as this growth was happening, I hit a, I, I hit a brick wall. I, 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 back in 2009, um, October of 2009, I was raided by the DEA. <laughs> um, and, and I did this thing. To the T as much as I could, as much as there was allowed at that time. I had an attorney. Um, I had all my licenses posted so that they knew that this was medical. However, it didn't matter to the DEA, right? So, right. So then I'm. So now I'm like, oh great, I, everything is up and running great, and now I just lost all my product. I've got to shut down this. I've got to figure out how am I going to pay bills because you know this is an expensive uh, project to to undertake growing. Uh, indoors. It's not cheap. Yeah, it's extremely expensive. 
And to, to those of you out there that are looking at, at uh, starting in this business, it, it's, it's incredibly rewarding, but you have to be all in. And if you aren't, uh, it's really challenging to make it because there's so many tests that you go through. So as we move forward, I, I was at a point where I was at ground zero now. I've got, I've got about $15,000 that I was able to save. Uh, and I'm like, how am I going to go and open this commercially? Because we were right on the cusp in Colorado where uh, we had this place on one of our main strips. And they started calling it the Green Mile because there was all these dispensaries that were popping up. And so regulators were starting to get concerned. Well, what are we doing? This is starting to take off. Uh, we don't need them on every corner. This is, you know, and so it's, we start to try to change the narrative. Like, how do we do that? So 2010 is rolling around. I'm actually in between. What am I doing? So I'm able to uh, work for my friend. I opened up a new hydroponics store down here in Denver, Colorado, because uh, we were up north in Fort Collins, Colorado. So I moved down an hour, got things going in Denver for him. I was able to pay my bills at least. And then I was thinking, okay. I got to get a warehouse. How do how do I make this work? So fortunately, being in the you know around all these growers because I'm at the store, I start making connections and networking with people. And lo and behold, I find a 7,500 square foot warehouse that's got all the power I need. It's at least at the time I think that. And you know, I double down. I borrow uh, another $20,000 from a friend of mine. I borrow a few thousand dollars from a girlfriend. And I, I'm i hitting the ground running in June of 2010. Incredible, right? Um, I'm, things are taking off. I'm back in it. I got the DEA in my mind, but I don't care. Uh, I'm, at, I'm at a point, um, and, and many entrepreneurs have been there, is it's, there's no, there's no you, can't, you can't fail. Like you're not going to. And that's where I've seen the most success is like I've given myself no way to fail because there's nothing left for me at that time. Right. So as we move forward, I there's regulations starting to come in play. I start getting business partners because we have to have a dispensary. Uh, they've started creating regulations where you had to grow and sell at least 70% of your product through your store. Well, geez, I just spent everything I had on this growth. So, well, now I got to start looking for a partner and see who else I can partner up with. So uh, we, I create a partnership with this other couple. Um, there's four of us that are doing this together. And all of a sudden, it just launches from there. Uh, we've, we start going through regulations and licensing and uh, we were very fortunate, you know, this is one of the things of being first to market is since there was no regulations, we were able to start growing right away. It, it's really challenging in, in uh, most states right now to get up and running because you have to have such a bankroll and such a cushion to last you could be 12, 18 months, sometimes two years because the regulators are just trying to put this the pieces of this puzzle together. Well, we were even ahead of that. So what that allowed us to do is work through the process while we were building our business. It didn't come with its, uh, you know, it wasn't easy because not all of a sudden you're trying to run a business, but you're also trying to do licensing and you're trying to you're trying to keep all these plates 
spinning around you all the time. And so, so let me ask you this. While you were growing, what was the biggest hurdle you had? Because I know what mine was. And I like most of us in the industry, we all got shut down once or twice from something that we thought was going to work. And we had to start all over again. But what was the biggest hurdle you had at the beginning to start up? I mean, oh, there's so many. It, it's 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 hard. To, you know, when, when you're not when you're not used to um, growing plants, you you don't realize that you. For one, you've got to grow at their speed. They can only grow so fast. So anytime you make any changes in your business or your your plant solutions or anything, it takes a while. And I think. Coming from a traditional business, like if you're in an ag business, you get it. But most of us were not in the ag industry. We were learning it as we went along. And so just understanding that, you know, budgeting and all these things that make a difference in most businesses, it's even more crucial because what happens is if you have one bad crop too early, like when you first start, you're done. You're done. I've talked to so many um, entrepreneurs that uh, were flying so fast in 2018 when the farm bill passed which is you know if 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 no if your listeners aren't familiar that's the one that opened it up for everybody in the u.s to start growing that was a wild wild west floodgates there everybody free for all exactly and and they did it well not only because it was legal but they were they heard about the exorbitant prices that people were getting for product and it's just because there was nobody really doing it, right? So then all of a sudden, um, you know, it's legalized. Everybody wants in, right? And and one thing I've learned is once everybody's talking about it and everybody's trying to do it, you're already too late. Right. Um, you, you've, you've got to either find a really significant niche that puts you way away from the pack or you got to find a new industry to, to work on some something new that nobody else is doing. Uh, the, those are those are some of the biggest things that I learned anyway. But 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 yeah, I mean, had I failed the first crop, I probably would have quit. Um, I, I was able to um, the the gentleman that brought me into growing uh, from the store. He was able to kind of mentor me that first round, and that saved me. Uh, I would say, you know, to your listeners out there, it's worth it to pay for experience in this because it's so damned expensive that if you're not able to get off the ground, you lose it all. And I know a lot of people out there like, well, I don't have the five or 10 or, or 20 grand to bring these people in to help me. You've got to get some of these processes in place. And it's a lot cheaper than hiring uh, somebody that says he's a master grower. That's the famous line I hear all the time. Um, you know, oh, I'm a master grower. I know everything. You, these guys want a lot of money. Uh, most of them are boutique type growers. They don't understand commercial type growing. So, or finding a partner that, um, you know, that you can rely on to help you through the agricultural process because a commercial grow is, is no joke. I mean, it's, it's not a hobbyist setup. It's, uh, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, not if, if not millions uh, depending on uh, how your setup is, and and that's just that's just to set up the grow. That doesn't count what you could lose trying to get it from the grow to the extraction to the to the to the end point to yes. the bottle. And you know, the, one of the other large major lessons I learned is starting in a manageable position 
Uh, there's so many people that uh, the phrase is so overused, go big or go home, right? That's always what you hear <laughs> from people. And it's like, you're going to be going home because you don't know what the hell you're doing. And with that big of an investment, you've got investor money, you've got your own money, um, and your majority of, of, of hemp grows are large outdoor agricultural and you have once you know in our state we have one season so it makes it really challenging florida you probably i don't know how many seasons do you guys get out of it with the rainy we, season we can go we can go pretty much year long but then we hit when we hit hurricane season that is just a a crap shoot because we get hit by hurricane crops done it's just so again depending and the heat the heat down here is just you know trying to keep them you know brutal for, it's just brutal. So that, that's the biggest thing down here. And that's the guy, the, one of the farmers I talked to, he says that, that is the biggest thing is that if you don't, don't look to buying into a crop, if you really, really don't have the money to support it, because your first two or three grows to get used to the heat and the soil and everything else is you're, that's where you're going to waste your money. So you better have money backing it up. Yeah. So you're probably looking at, you know, you're probably looking at what eight months of growing and then you got to shut it down for hurricane season then start back up again. And there's a lot of lag time in there and okay. So maybe the first year you get, you kind of get a base and then you're going into your next, your third season, which, you know, is your second year and you get hit again, you're probably not going to make it. Exactly. And, and people, I, you know, I don't think people understand what, what that takes like okay i've got a hundred thousand dollars is that going to get me through three you know a year's worth of growing and i can't pay myself and all these other things that that start playing forward and, and it's overwhelming uh it's and then when you start adding regulation in there it's extremely stressful i know people always think well it's pot you know it's got to be you know it's got to be pretty lax and relaxed but it's business man these guys are no joke that are, that you're competing with out there, and it could shift at any time. And that's the, and if you don't have the money to move with that shift, when the regulation says, "Okay, well, we didn't like that one, so we're going to shift this way," you know, it completely changes. And like now, some of the regulations coming through as we're they're, they're regulating how much each medical patient can buy, you know, so that cuts down on what you thought you were going to sell to most of the places. Because now that's all cut back, so now you may have some product going to waste for the first year that this regulation went through and you weren't prepared for it. And it kind of hurts, hurts everybody. But why do you think several of the states actually regulated differently and not just go through the whole? You know, that's a good question. I, 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 I get it quite a bit. It's funny because we got to meet a lot of the regulators that were coming in from other states and they would come into Colorado and uh, walk through your facility, ask you a lot of questions and, they were usually an alcohol, uh, they were alcohol regulators or tobacco regulators or somebody coming through from like Washington, California. And it amazes me how much they want to make their stamp. They want to make their stuff better. And these are government agents. It's like, let's see what works. Let's use it. But a lot of them are like, oh, yeah. We're going to do way better than that. And they just throw it all out the door. And, it's, it, it, and, it, and it boggles my mind how much time they waste on it. Because, you know, there, there's, there's only a few states that have really, really done it right. I think we were lucky in the fact that we regulated can medical cannabis for so long. That gave our, our regulators an understanding and years of knowledge prior 
places like California were a uh, very gray area for over a decade. I mean, they legalized medical cannabis in 1996, and then they finally legalized in 14. Um, but they had no regu- they had really no regulations aside from Prop 219, and it gave them a, just a massive gray area that these guys have been playing in forever. And they're, they're having a tough time um, controlling or reducing the black market because people have been doing it this way for so long. And so I, I think they're just trying to make a statement for their state is what's happening a lot of times, why they're, they're all separate. And, and you know, some, some people have come in and said, okay, well, we're going to take some of the good stuff and we're going to, we're going to, um, you know, also add our own flair on that. So, but, you know, places like Florida, you, you guys have a, you know, a monopoly down there on licensing. Yep. It's, they're trying to loosen it, but it's just, it's not, they're not, you know, I think one company just finally made it in, but it cost them a fortune. I think the license in here, they paid for like $55 million to it. And I'm telling you right now, Gary, if you've got $55 million, don't get into this business. <laughs> it's like, how are the rest of the people, like the small guys, like, oh, I'm going to start growing my basement and you're going to compete with some dude who just paid $50 million for, for a license. They got so much money, it's, it's crazy. But speaking of that, I wanted to ask you in the regulation aspect, the big debate that ever I keep reading about and I keep knowing about, what do you think about the, the hemp side of the Delta 8, Delta 10s coming out? in fighting the cannabis side. Do you see that as a problem? Do you see that as a benefit to the cannabis? What, what are your thoughts on that? I'm going to put you on the spot on that one. That's a good question too. You know, the, again, the plan is so new, right? We're, we're, regulators are just trying to understand with psychoactive and non-psychoactive, right? So now let's pile this on. Just trying to get the drug tests right are, are ridiculous. Exactly, exactly. And I think it's a lot of hype just kind of pulling us away from what we need to be focusing on. And, you know, for for business owners like you and I and 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 some of your listeners out there, it's like, focus on what you're good at. Yeah, there's always going to be this shine. I I do a lot of investing right now with with cannabis. And there's always going to be a shiny object that's like pull me that pulls me this way pulls me this way and you've got to be really careful with shiny objects because you'll take your eye off the ball right and focusing in on your patience and focusing in on your quality those two things are always going to be necessary to have a good business right they they really are i mean at the end of the day what's not going to change your customer service, that people are always going to want good customer service. They're going to want to go on quality and they're going to want, you know, a reasonable price product. And we start focusing in on those as business owners. All that stuff doesn't matter as much because there's, there's, there's too much narrative around it. Oh, I think it's this and I think it's that. And, 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 you know, people are arguing about, well, it has nothing to do with, you know, it's hemp, it's not cannabis. And, and it, it becomes really confusing for uh, the people out there that are just trying to find something that helps them, right? Um, right. I, I'm sorry I don't have a more direct question on that, but when I see that stuff come out, it, it's, it's a distraction. It really is. Um, and 
honestly, most people don't know the effects of these now, right? We're just trying to figure out what the effects are of THC and CBD. I mean, there's so many people out there that aren't selling quality. So people are like, people are going, oh, that CBD stuff, that's just, uh, you know, that's just snake oil. It doesn't work at all. And then, <laughs> uh, then guys like you have to try to resell them. Like, well, let's talk about what kind of, what, what how many milligrams of, of CBD are in there and do they have third party testing and all these little things that come to quality of product. That's really what matters. Um, and once you start talking about that and people understand, um, you know, that's, that's the type of business you're running. This other stuff will come along. Exactly. I mean, really, um, that's, that's what we, we like our, we created our, our CBD industry. Well, like I said, when we started going, more of the benefits I saw helping my firefighters. They were, it was helping them sleep better. It was helping them with actually a lot of them came back to me and told me I, I no longer have voices in my head, you know, items like that. And it, it propelled us into a completely different angle of just trying to sell product to let's create the best product and also teach the people how to use it. Because when you go out and buy a CBD at the gas station, whether it, it's going to be the worst product ever, but nobody's going to tell you how to use it. You know, as well as I do, the same thing with cannabis. There's a different level for everybody. There's a different, it uses it for different needs, when to take it, how to take it, you know, it's 100%. So we built that customer service into our, into our sales. Like call us. We'll, if you have any advice, we, we send them a little letter saying, if you have any need in helping with dosing or what you're taking it for, we'll work with us because we have hundreds and hundreds of patients that we dealt with and we're going to work with their experiences, help you get the best benefit out of our product. And so that's what, how we formatted our company. We're not making millions and millions of dollars, but I guarantee my products actually helping the people to buy it and the repeat customers. And that was the key. And, and that, that makes all the difference in the world. I mean, um, you know, the, the patients that are listening to your show right now, um, this is a real deal because so many shelves that you go out to, whether they're in CVS or not, it's, it's still what you have to explain to people is it's still sold as a supplement. So, there's no, they can say what's in it, but it's not tested. So if you don't have some of these, you know, processes in place to prove your quality, it's, it's bullshit. Exactly. Uh, you know, I hope, I hope, I hope, I'm sorry. I don't know if I can cuss on the show. You're, but you're good to really go. Is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and when I talk, uh, you know, with, with people like you and, and audiences like yours, that's the biggest thing to, to worry about is what am I getting? What am I paying for? Because a lot of what you're paying for out there isn't in it. Exactly. 100%. Now this led me, like I keep saying it, this led me to create a bigger vision. I'm creating a whole new, uh, I'm trying to revamp the, uh, the Florida addiction uh, center. Thing yeah. You guys have a opiate problem that's been going on for years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Opiate problem, patient brokering. So, with my daughter passing away in her name, we've created a, a nonprofit trying to actually use plant-based medicine and psychedelics to actually help the opiates because that's what's coming down the road. This new frontier is coming. They're proving that it's actually helping a lot, lot, a lot. The psychedelics are actually helping. So we're creating this, this facility. And that's why I decided to go into building the facility. But you wrote a book. Yes. And what made you write that book? Since I know what made me go to my facility, but what made you write that book? There had to be a, a very good reason. Why you had to do? 
Well, you know, the challenge was brought up to me. I was in a place of, I was in a transitional point in my life. Um, I, I was very grateful and fortunate that I was able to move out of the plant touching world of, of cannabis and take some time off. Uh, like I mentioned, the stressful side of the industry was, was, was way, way intense. So much so that, you know, I, I, I had a, I had a drinking problem. I had all these things that were happening and I really decompressed for about a year and a half. And I came across this, this process of writing a book and I'd never thought of writing a book before. And I, and I thought, you know, this is something that I want to try to do because even if it's not great, I don't care. I'm going to do it because I want to see if I want to, I'm a, I like taking challenges. You know, I like taking challenges and, and, and wrapping my mind around things that people are like, oh, yeah, I'll never be able to do that. One thing I've noticed going through my entire life, things have never just come easy for me. You talk to these, uh, you know, athletes where they can just hit home runs. It just comes naturally. I've always had to work for every penny that I've made and always struggled through that. But I learned so much because I can fail like nobody's business. So, <laughs> So I, I, I'm on the same path as you, <laughs> you know, and, and it's taught me so much. It's taught me, um, you know, to, to reach out after some. So I thought, well, let's, okay, well, what I'm going to write a book about, well, cannabis, of course, I just spent the last, you know, 10, 11 years killing myself doing this. Um, and then, you know, since, since the business and industry had been so good to me, like, why don't I write a 10 steps book, you know, and, and try to lay out some stuff that I've formulated through the last decade that would really help out a lot of people because there's no formula. Um, since it's, since it's, we're coming out of the black market, nobody's writing, nobody ever wrote books on how to do this. And really it came from a point of how can I help the new business owner? You know, I've got a podcast on it. It's called plant problems. I, this is what I, I try to find little things that are either happening in regulation that are happening in different States that truly are just, it might be one point and somebody's like, you know what? That's a great idea. I need to run with that. Or, uh, trying to, trying to find, uh, helpful accounting positions for people because taxes are so challenging in this industry. And so I thought, well, let's write a 10 step book. So I did it in a few months knocked it out. And, um, a few months later, I was like, I'm going to start this podcast and we're going to talk about these things. I don't know exactly what I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> right. And, and it was, it, it actually turned into, I was telling my friend the other day, it kind of turned into this therapeutic side. I got to get a lot of my thoughts out that had just been brewing in there. And I also got to, you know, the, the word unpack, I got to unpack a lot of these emotional sides that, that were happening, um, to me on a daily basis. Uh, and I think back, I, I probably have forgotten about half of the stuff sometimes because it was just, it was so mentally straining and I just didn't ever want to think about it again. But, you know, I had my issue with alcohol. I kicked that and, 
you know, just things opened up for me. And it just allowed me to, to really express myself on paper. So that's what I did. And I, I look forward to writing another book, actually, in the next probably 10 years as I see the evolution of the industry. And that's another reason why I still want to be somewhat connected. Uh, that's, that's why I started the podcast, too, because we're seeing this growth pattern now where we're starting to see these commercial growths happen. We're, start, we're seeing consolidation happen. We're seeing major companies being created right in front of our eyes. Um, we're also seeing s- the stock market starting to accept. And all these things are starting to melt into what I see being legalization countrywide. I mean, we've got Canada that's legalized. We've got Mexico that they're legalizing and, and working on their regulations now. It, it's a matter of time before... We get to see it across our country, and we also start to get see some of the effects of of us getting people off the opioid epidemic, and exactly saving lives. I mean, it's incredible to talk about, but you know, you you started this. Would you say two, three years ago? Yes. Yeah. I mean, in another five, six years, people are going to be looking at you that thought you were crazy when you started it, and they'll be like, "Man, this guy." He saw something before anybody else did. And that, that's the cool thing. Uh, the cool thing about your book and the reason why I like your book, your book's called From Black Market to the Man, 10 Steps to Becoming a Multimillionaire in the Legal Cannabis Industry. The interesting thing about the book is that not only does it help somebody who wants to get in, in, in the industry, but somebody who's unsure how to get in the industry, this may actually save them from wasting their time or their money or their fortune when they realize that this may a little bit too much for them. Cause that's the biggest thing. Like we talked about in the beginning, you know, it's expensive. It's, you know, it takes a little bit to do. So if somebody knows the roadmap and can kind of see the future and the steps, he may not have, and he has a different vision of it. This may actually bring him say like, you know what, maybe there's a better way for me to do this than me spending all my money, trying it myself. Like you said, maybe there's a way to find partners or, or invest in a company or, or do it that way instead. Yeah, there, there, there's so many different avenues. I, I, you know, I, I like to share with people is you don't have to have a green thumb. Uh, you just have to have some talent somewhere, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and I try to break that down in the book. Like, what are you good at? Let's work on that. And then so I got chapters on that. And, you know, I've got chapters on your finances, not only for the business, but your personal finances. I mean, this is how, you know, the wealthy create more wealth and they create bigger, um, bigger entities to help more people. And, and, and as I'm, as I'm growing up more on a, you know, every day, I'm starting to see it just expand and expand and expand. And so why not make something that's, the book's a really easy read. Um, I didn't pack it pack it with a bunch of complicated stuff. You know, I've learned over over the last 10 years that people overcomplicate stuff way too much. It doesn't have to be complicated. If it's complicated, you should turn around, go the other direction and be like, that guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> uh, it, it's not that difficult. Um, but you're going to, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of stuff I talk about it that is extremely helpful when you're talking to investors and what to look out for. I mean, there's so many red flags out there that 
we don't look at because we're caught up in the, I just want to be in the cannabis business because right. I love cannabis. Right. And so you tend to block out red flags at the end of the day, you're talking to a person and they, they make you, they, they, unfortunately they put you in bad positions, um, with your business partners or real estate investments that you're doing, whatever you're doing, there's, there's a piece of the puzzle that's tied into cannabis anywhere you go in from leases. There's all these little pitfalls that I learned that if I was to go back, this is how I would do it. And so why not create a roadmap that's simple? Uh, so I tried to simplify it for you guys. So, and you know, you guys can check me out at uh, blackmarketbook.com um, or plantproblem.com and you can click on books there. And I think it's like 10 bucks. You can also do audible um, through there as well. Uh, but, but yeah, Gary, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And, and now I'm seeing this evolution of these larger companies coming into our industry and there's still a market for the mom and pops. Those are the guys that are developing um, some amazing technology out there. Uh, we're seeing some great ag technology that is going to be taken from cannabis and used in uh, commercial growing for vegetables and stuff we eat every day, which is which is awesome. Uh, that's one of the things that I see coming out of this. There's a um, there's a big cannabis convention coming up here next month. Uh, have you ever heard of MJ BizCon? I have, yes. Yeah, so so they do an annual event in Las Vegas. Um, I I don't make anything for telling this, but I want to share this with your listeners because this is a great insight. If you guys are if you guys are really like you know what I really and it's hemp and cannabis. It, it it's not there'll there'll be a bunch of stuff there. But if you really want to see what the um, future holds for us, this is a great event. It, it, I believe it comes up. It's October twenty first and twenty second in Las Vegas. Uh, just go to MJ BizCon again. Like I'm, I'm not honestly, I'm not making it out, but but I've learned so much at these events. Uh, these guys have been doing it since 2010, so they're they've been been doing this a long time. There's they estimate about 50 plus thousand people are going to be there at this event, um, and the expo floor take you two days to go through. There's just so many different things from. From, uh, you know, you've got extraction machines to new products that are developed, automated machines, uh, large tractor systems for hemp uh, farms. I mean, there's so much stuff in there. And then, you you, you know, if, if you've been on the fence on, well, what am I going to do? Maybe you can get an idea from here. Cost you a few hundred bucks for the ticket and a flight and a hotel. And maybe, maybe, maybe this changes the rest of your life. Yeah, it could be. Be excellent investment. So yeah. we'll, we'll actually put that in the show links and everything else. If they wanted to follow you on social media, where's the social media links? Do you have any social media the links? Best, the best place to hit me at is plantproblem.com. It's got all my social media feeds in there. It's really easy to click. I also uh, have a bl the blog. It's got every all my episodes on there. So anything that you're looking for, well, huh, I'm curious about this. You can type in right there and get me there. Um, and if you guys do visit the event, I'm actually going to be there uh, at a show. I've, I've got another company called um, Essential Extractions. We have a mini um, a CO2 extraction machine that we've developed for the uh, small 
um, entrepreneur that's looking at maybe creating formulations for oil. Uh, it doesn't have to be cannabis; it's anything. So, um, so we'll be at we'll be at the event. But but yeah, it, I'm real simple to get to plantproblem.com, and you can find all my stuff there. Gary, it's it's been awesome being on the show. You know, I I really appreciate you having me here. I know you're a busy guy, especially with CBD. It's like, where do we need to go next? What do I got to make decisions on today? Right? Exactly. You never know. Winds are always shifting. But exactly. I appreciate I appreciate you taking time out of your day today, Tony. So I like to thank you. On that note, uh, we're done. This is awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again, man. <laughs> appreciate it. All right, Tony. You have yourself a great day. You too. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the show. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I'll have some links for you. So if you're interested in starting your podcast yourself, one of the best places to go is Podcast Powertrain. Right now, they're doing an an amazing offer for all their course material. If you want to actually help get your uh, show ranked, all you got to do is go to gooddudesgrow.com forward slash powertrain and you'll get all the information there. Also, if you're looking for a platform, not sure which platform to use to record your show on Riverside FM is the one we use you can also go to gooddudesgrow.com forward slash Riverside check them out and you will not be disappointed again thank you for listening to the show and we will see you well we'll see you but Good Dudes Grow 2.0 thank you for tuning in if you're still listening to this that means you gained something out of this episode so make sure you share it with a friend leave a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode of the Good Dudes Grow 2.0